You're listening to the Manverse Podcast with your host, Tom Tramplin. This is session number 55. Today's Manverse Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash MVP book. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of choice. Welcome to another episode of the Manners Podcast with your host, Tom Trapp, and this is Take Two. We're actually recording this time. And I have with me my fantastic co-hosts, Gary Sproul and John Cobello. Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Sproul from uh, the Haunted Game Cafe in Fort Collins, Colorado, giving you a view of our new expanded retail section. Which looks awesome. So, and Thank you. John Cobello here from Little Shop of Magic in Vegas. We've also uh, moved to a new location, but um, it's still the same blank wall behind me because I'm not there today. So, yeah, maybe next time we'll get a view of the the new the new spot. But uh, yeah, that's that's going to be the topic of the day. We're going to actually be talking about uh, expanding and growing well, growing your game store in a phys- literal physical sense, not just a uh, business sense. Because if you're not growing, you are shrinking. So pretty much every game store owner is going to face an expansion at some point in their future, assuming they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So uh, we're going to give you a little bit of a heads up as to what goes into expanding your game store and growing or renovating or, you know, any sort of physical creation of a space. So uh, both John and Gary have been through the past couple of weeks of renovating or moving or, you know, like the harrowing experience of transporting all of your merchandise to a new location. So we're going to talk about that today and we're going to go over some of the some of the fun stories that we've got. So topic number one is general contracting. That's what we were talking about before. We were going to go over what it takes to uh, to actually build out the space. So what goes into finding a contractor? Well, the first thing you have to do is figure out if you're going to use a general contractor, you're going to try and do it yourself. Uh, it depends on whether the place is close to being move or whether there's a lot of stuff to do. Uh, in our case, we had um, the place next door that we were moving into was offices. So there was a tremendous amount of interior walls and demolition and electric that had to get fixed and removed. So I didn't want to use volunteers. We were lucky enough to have a general contractor that we used before. So I trust him completely. So I just hired him to make sure to come in and uh, subcontract out all the jobs. And for us, it's, it's strange as you say, Gary, because the space we moved into was literally office space too. And uh, it's so many walls, so many electrical connections, so many. So yes, it wasn't something we were going to tackle ourselves. Um, but what was new to us, unlike uh, Gary, he's worked with his contractor before. For us, it was a totally new experience. It was something that uh, in the past, uh, whenever we moved uh, or expanded, the landlord took care of it all. In this particular case, the landlord was very hands-off, uh, which, you know, was extra work for us, but uh, through the lease, it got paid back in uh, cheaper rent and better um, um, tenant improvement allowances, basically. Um, so um, we went through five different contractors before we settled on the one we, we, we liked, and it it was down to two um, that were really good and it was difficult to choose, but we're really happy with the person we went to. And without a general contractor, I don't know if I would have wanted to take that on. Um, you know, it's a lot of work in coordinating all these people. It's a, uh, um, yes, it costs money, but uh, I would say it was, a, it was a good move on our part. Uh, matter of fact, he's coming in and doing our kitchen when once the 
the permit comes in and we're all good to go. Cool. So I, I highly recommend getting a general contractor. Um, just the permits themselves are a huge pain. So to let somebody else handle that is, is great. Let somebody else wrangle the construction guys and yell at them when they're not here um, to make runs to Home Depot and other, you know, industrial supply places because you need something, you're out of something. That eats up a tremendous amount of time. Oh, we're, we're, out, we're, we're out of baseboard, right? <laughs> I got to run somewhere and get it. Have somebody else take care of that is, is well worth the money. Sure. And we were delayed two weeks on moving because they were 12 tiles short on finishing our floor. They just ran out. And unfortunately, <laughs> it had to be carted from New York. It wasn't something that was local. But what are you going to do? So, yeah. Our floor ran out with about 10 square feet left <laughs> because they mismeasured. And the floor that we were using was discontinued. Oh, awesome. Great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have stairs awesome. just in case. Awesome is exactly the word I used. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we overordered about 20% just in case because we know how it's going to end up. There's going to be a tile broken here and there or something. So. Also, a good rule of thumb, you know, yep. get a little bit of extra material, not a little bit less than you need. These, these are the kind of things that the general contractor is going to know, right? I'm not, I don't mm -hmm. do this for a living. I run a game store. So um, even simpler solutions, we had well, my office, so the, the manager's office, actually has two windows in it that look onto the sales floor. And um, at the time, it was a doctor's office, so they're frosted glass. And I was killing myself trying to peel the frosting off of it. He just told me, why don't you pop the frame open, put this other window from the other office that we demolished in there, right? It saved me hours. I wouldn't have thought of that. I, again, I don't work construction, so, you know? Um, so, yes, I fully endorse it. Spend the money. It's worth it, um, you know? And, and they know people. Uh, like Gary's saying before, um, some contractors will bid on a contract themselves for like a specific part of the job or, or it's something they don't handle. The electrical, for example, for us, he's got people that he trusts and picked out two or three of them and said, which one do you like? This guy wants this much money. This guy wants this much. We chose just that based on his recommendations. You know, he takes care of any issues. And trust me, there were issues with the electrical, a lot of them. So, you know, they're fixed now. Yeah. So how, what's the criteria for choosing a contractor? Like, what did you decide on? Like for, for Gary, you knew the guy beforehand, right? I knew the guy beforehand, uh, and we had done a project together, so that makes a big difference. Um, <clears throat> the biggest criteria for me was, was honesty, right? Be, be completely honest about, you know, the bids that are coming in and when things are going to happen and, and all the fees. And, I mean, our guy, you know, he starts by giving you a big binder, you know, of all the bids and all the things that are, that are going to happen and uh, exactly how he thinks it's going to go. So that's the biggest thing for me. We didn't have the luxury of working with somebody where he knew, because this is, like I said, the first time we've, we've done something where we took on the improvements. Um, so, like I said, five different contractors. Um, pricing was a factor in a certain sense because one of them just came out way out of the ballparks. So everybody was around 80, 90,000 for this job. This guy was 250,000. And there wasn't a very clear explanation of why, right? I mean, I'm mm -hmm. like, were you on the same page? At the very least, it told me that his vision and mine are not meeting, right? Um, so then when we narrowed it down to two, we started looking at things like Better Business Bureau and licensing and all this good stuff. Check out his work. We actually went out and looked at some of the things that these people have done. And it was a difficult decision between these two because they were both very good and they were, it felt like honest to me. I spoke with people they've worked with before um, and, and all of them gave me good reviews of like, yeah, I would work with this person again. Um, he told me three weeks and it was two and a half weeks, you know, so um, 
gut feeling sometimes too. Um, but in general, um, we were lucky. I would say, don't be afraid. Um, there's a, a friend of ours, Ray, right, uh, who was literally two steps away from firing a general contractor because he's way behind and et cetera, et cetera. I, I would say if you have a bad experience, his previous work will tell you that, right? Mm. Yeah, do your due diligence. Right. It's also very important that you get somebody who's done commercial work before. A lot of people have only done residential, and that's not enough. Commercial work requires a lot more permits and a lot more um, – I won't say attention to detail because the little details are more important in residential people than in commercial. We don't care about you know tiny little little details, um, but the amount of permits and the amount of um, public safety stuff that has to be taken into account is super important. So absolutely, get somebody who's done commercial work before. All right. So let's go back. Let's uh, let's talk about what. Uh, let's talk about the reasons why you decided to, in John's case, move, and Gary's case, expand eat up this space. So like, what were the reasons? Why did you have to, or why did you feel that you had to, uh, to expand your store? And uh, for us, also, was, why did you go that direction particularly? Why move? Why expand? For us, it was super simple. It, it was obvious to, uh, to me and the whole staff that we were losing money. Um, there was missed opportunity sales because we didn't have something on the shelf that people wanted because we didn't physically have the space to put it there. Um, and we were turning people away. People would come in uh, looking for a table to, uh, to play a game, and we were turning them away. And that is a super painful thing to do. Hmm. And much of the same. We were in the current space for about seven years. But, uh, you know, you wanted, we wanted to bring in puzzles, no space. Uh, we wanted to have more board games, no space. Um, organized play, um, well, there's more stores around us now, so it's a little more diffused. The reality is we have a varied group. So now it's not as a challenge because you have a, a role-playing table that wants to play when you have magic or when you have Star Wars uh, um, miniatures game going on. So the space was an issue, and Gary's right. We were just taking and putting money in somebody else's pocket or just, you know, upsetting people by going, I'm sorry, today you can't get your table for D&D &D because we have some other event going on. Um, so um, we looked at expanding in place the, the – Landlord really liked us and really liked to work with us, but unfortunately the building just wasn't ideal. And it had we stayed in place, the final reason why we wanted to move is for 15 years I've been wanting to sort of marry this with some type of food service. There was no way in the current space. It just wouldn't have happened. So that's why we moved. We wanted to put it in the cafe too. That's, I suppose, the third reason for us. So and food service was one of – sorry? Sorry. I was just going to say that for John's situation, it was uh, you wanted to achieve a dream. It wasn't just, I want to make more space. I want to like make almost something brand new. Sure. At this point, not so much brand new in the industry, but to me, yes. But to you, right. that's what I mean. Yeah. Like the cafe portion didn't exist beforehand and that's something that you always wanted. So it's kind of like you're building a new business, a new hybrid in a sense by moving. It's not just, a, oh, I want another 2,000 square feet. For us, it's almost the exact opposite because we already have an existing cafe. Mm -hmm. We are much, much more likely to stay in place and expand because we've already put a lot of money into that cafe infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the, the other reason too, is it's been seven years, right? We signed a very good lease, but seven years is a long time for a business to just not do anything, right? I mean, um, we were about 3,000 square feet um, and, and that's used to be a huge space for our kind of industry. Now, for a lot of things, for a lot of places, just about average i would say so yeah all right so let's talk about the uh, the decision process 
I know Gary has got an, uh, an interesting story about how they came to what they ended up doing, right? You decided to expand into the space next to your existing space. That's right. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what... Uh, well, like, I remember you decided, you were up in the air about what you wanted to do necessarily. You were thinking about moving, you were thinking about expanding, and you put it to your uh, constituents Oh no, that that's a, it's a good story that was stolen completely from John. This was entirely John's idea, so I'll let him explain it. Okay. Well, so you know, it's in our industry, it's good and bad. It's great sometimes because the customers are vested in what we do. It's their third space. They feel like they own part of it. Um, sometimes a little too much ownership on their part, but but I understand. It's, it's your living room. It's your game space. It's. I'm glad you feel like it's it's part of your, an extension of your home. That, that's actually a great thing. Um, so for us, we always kind of like looked at it and went, well, you know, the customer has the biggest voice in our store. In the end, I carry Pokemon not because I play Pokemon, I carry Pokemon because my customers buy Pokemon from me. Um, I, I run events based on what they want to do, right? Um, so why not give them a voice in what we're going to do with this thing? Because, you know, and, and, and it was funny to me because the whole process of like, hey, we got options, right? I mean, we started looking about two years before the lease expired around us to figure out. But in the end, we had to make a decision. Um, we seriously looked about a year before we moved, but um, and we had to make a decision that we stay in place. We looked at all the options, but we want to know what does the customer think? And the biggest, the biggest one, everybody wanted us to expand. Uh, a lot of people wanted us to expand in place because they didn't want us to move, right? They were happy with where we were, which told me that's a good location. I have people to come from the other side of town. And, and while they would like to see me move next to them, right, um, they also understand that I can't put a store in every neighborhood. Uh, but that, that was the biggest thing that we found out from asking customers, surveys through email, you know, what do you want to do? And we published all those results because people wanted to know. It was, it was a lot of fun to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest thing was like, don't expand, but don't move. And so the problem was the space we were in, it really wasn't going to accommodate it. Even knocking down walls, taking over the entire half of the back of the building, it just wasn't enough space. Uh, so we found this space across the street, and that's how it ended up working. Um, a lot more work than I wanted to do, but it was directly across the street. It's beautiful when people ask you, where'd you move to? You were on southwest corner of Durango and, like, northwest corner. Same same intersection. We're good, you know. So. But, but that's how that came about. And it, um, I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was a lot of fun. The customer's interaction was, was great to enjoy. Um, and in a way, they, they did feel like, hey, I provided input, and it changed based on what I said. So. Mm -hmm. We had the same reaction. When we asked people, you know, we laid out, here, here are all our possible options. You know, what do you think we should do? And the, the amount of, uh, of genuine emotion that, that people showed us was, was incredibly heart, heartwarming. Um, people really, really cared when we, we would put in a comment section for what do you think? And tons of people wrote paragraphs of, of what they thought we should do and, and how, to, how, uh, how they thought our business could be made better. It was, it was amazing. Sure. And it, the great thing is too, I mean, maybe one of these days, these guys will be store owners themselves, right? So this is a little step. You're, we, we literally made it so like you're in the command chair now. You have to make this difficult decision. What would you do, right? You get to gamble with somebody else's money for this time, but, you know, next time it's on you. So it's, I think for some of them, maybe a little bit of an eye opener. I was like, wow, all these choices. What, 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 what yeah. do you do? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, trust me. 
to this day, I'm glad I did it right now, but like yesterday was an interesting roller coaster emotion. I started the day looking at a mess in the store going, I, this was the biggest mistake of my life. To ending the day with having done so much stuff, got off the floor on shelves and for, uh, fixtures to going, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go, you know, in the battle. This is great. People are loving it. So um, it's, it, they're very difficult decisions to make. Yeah, it's good. Enlist the hive mind if you can. Yeah. Get them to help. Why not? Like you said, they're invested too. So give them a voice. So what was, uh, what were your guys' biggest fears associated with the move? Gary, you want to start this one? Wow. Um, biggest fear. Hmm. Take all, <laughs> that's, that's a hard one to take all the little fears and try and add them up into one big fear. Um, uh, probably staffing. Uh, was my biggest uh, was my biggest concern uh, to make sure that we had enough people to cover now twice as much uh, floor space as we had before, um, and if we expand our game section, which we want to do quite a bit, then we have to not only bring in more people to cover that, but bring in more experts who are able to understand whatever new lines that we bring in. So when you expand, you you really have to bring in you know, more people and think about that added to your costs. And for us, there was those little fears of staffing. I mean, we're going to add a whole new, basically, business, the cafe, right? That's that's a sort of entity that on its own, we have now uh, private rentable rooms that people can come in and check out, and that's room service we're going to provide in there. So there's, there's a lot of that three times the size. Um, our biggest fear, though, and the thing we had the most back and forth on um, was that the only space that worked across the street from us is actually on the second story. It's entirely... Mm-hmm. The second story is entirely us, right? But it is terrifying. Now, after I took that trip to Canada, Thomas, I wasn't so worried because I saw a whole new way of doing things. I mean, a lot of businesses in Canada in our type of industry, well, in general, are literally in a second story environment. It's normal. And now that we've opened the doors, I have heard nothing by compliments by the customers. I mean, there were some considerations. Yes, we have our own elevator. We have two sets of stairs. We have a gigantic sign, right? But realistically speaking, it was a scary thing. The bonus of it is we have our own terrace, which works really great. I mean, people are loving being out there when when the weather gets good like it is right now and just enjoying some fresh air while they play and eventually hopefully when they have a cup of coffee kind of situation. Yeah. So there were some unique perks to that, um, but it was very scary. I mean, you know, it's a second-story location. Most retail places play, are you nuts? You know, don't do that. But so far, it's been definitely an uptake in business. We'll see where it goes. Cool. Cool. So do you guys want to describe your new spaces? Like bring us in. We're going to include pictures. That's uh, one of the things we were talking about with Gary. When we make this go live, we're going to try and, you know, if you guys got photos and we'll just like do a collage, we'll post it up there to see the, the before and after pictures of the new spaces. But, uh, you know, bring some people in, let them know what, what's, uh, what's so special about the new place. Yeah. We got some video too, if you want some of that. I don't know. Sure. That's, that's so, um, Got okay. So the place is about three times the size. Um, we finally have a, our receiving room now is about thirteen hundred square feet. So we actually have a, we call it the cave because our our logistics guy is the troll and that's where he lives, right? Um, so him and the goblins are in that cave, and if they're out of my hair, I don't have to have product that he's receiving in the middle of the floor. I don't like when that cart comes out, it's ready to go on the shelf. That's all I need to see, right? I mean, I don't I don't have 
packing peanuts all over the place. <laughs> it's a stupid little thing, but man, do I mean, maybe it's bigger. I mean, maybe it's 1500. Anyways, it's no, that not that seriously. That is a, is a serious thing when an order day arrives. I mean, it, it took over our store. I mean, all the boxes and the packing material and the stuff, it takes over three, four large tables. And uh, it, it's a mess for the customers to walk in and see. Not only that, but like the customers will get their hands out of it. I'm like, stop, that's a special order for somebody. Knock it off. It's not yours. You want it, I got to order you another copy, okay? There's one on the shelf or whatever not. So, yeah. Um, so so that that's not something people will see, but from a logistics standpoint and being able to operate much like Disney does, hide the magic, right? I mean, mm. that stuff needs to be behind the curtains. You guys don't need to see it. Um, so, um, anyways, so it's a second story unit. The, you, it's very unassuming on the bottom floor because basically you have our landing with the stairs and the. But the reaction I get from people when I hear that ding from the door and then they either walk up the stairs or take the elevator, the second they like, wow, it's this huge yeah. open area and. That's the thing that took the most amount of money is knocking out all these walls, walls for these individual little offices and people are just flabbergasted by the space. So we did, normally for us, the game room was pretty much the center of the store and all the product was around the walls. Now we have the gaming area a little bit, it's still an open area, but the gaming area is on the other side of the floor of the store and it's sort of delimited by the fact that it's got tiling versus carpeting on the right. Um, but now on the right side, you basically have all this um, open area that is the products right and we're finally starting to be able to do what gary's got behind them some gondolas not just slot wall stuff on the walls but in the middle um i don't know let's see there is the space on the left which is currently an empty room it'll be the kitchen and that's where the counter is going and um my guys are super tickled pink that they have their own office there's the cave for the troll the, the, the sales supervisor's got his own office and me and the store manager however because of the way that things panned out we joined two offices so i got this stupid crazy megalomaniac office <laughs> onto the terrace so i can literally open the door and i'm on the terrace looking at the strip it's i don't know i don't know it's a lot of space but it's so unique that i and I'm still slapping myself in the face going that i actually do this it's this actually our new home but uh, i'm there every day so i guess it is Sounds pretty sweet. So our, our place was a um, was a, a long, thin space with a cafe along one wall. And what we did is we expanded into the space along the wall where the cafe is. So we had to knock out a couple of holes in the wall um, on either side of the of the bar to get into the space that I'm in now. Um, I wanted to knock out as, as much more of the wall, but um, because that was the cafe side. There was tons of electricity and plumbing and all that stuff in the wall, so we weren't able to knock out as much of the wall as we could. But we um, we made two pass-throughs, one for employees and, and one for the customers, and they now they can get into this space, which is now our, our new retail space. We moved all the retail into this side, and the existing store, the, our original store, will be nothing but seating. So that will be all the cafe side all on one side. So you basically divided up with the game room a little bit from the product area kind of situation. Yeah. So each bay in the in the strip mall, one is retail and and one is uh, one is the cafe. And it's something I struggled a little bit with because we do like the games in the middle of the the sales floor, but you know, I mean, it just wasn't going to work out the way it was. And we're also struggling a little bit with this idea because now we have three private rooms for board games, RPGs, and one that's dedicated to our streaming and war gaming. Um, 
it takes it a little bit out of the spotlight for people, right? Um, I mean, they love it. They love the idea of having their own room, but it takes it a little bit away from that customer that walks in and goes, what is this? What's going on? Because they don't necessarily see it. Uh, you know, I mean, all the rooms have cameras in them for security purposes and things like that, but uh, you, you are taking a little bit of that gameplay away from where the product is, where people are shopping, and putting yeah. it in a secluded area, basically. And one of the things our customers told us very, very firmly was they really enjoyed the coming into the shop and walking around and seeing what people were playing. That that social experience of just just walking up to somebody and going, oh, that's a great game, or what are you doing here? Um, that was really important to people. So we, we, we wanted to make sure we kept that without dividing up our, our gaming area into, into segregated spots. Yeah, and I don't think it's gone because, again, while it is on the left and the right as product, it's still open. You can move freely. The reservable rooms are the only thing that I'm a little still troubled by because you put some of the more, um, you know, the alphas and stuff like that, the ones that are requesting these rooms, and so they're the most vivacious, they're the most, and now they're sort of behind a closed door kind of situation. Now, each one of them has a window, and I've made it a point, no, you guys have to keep this window open. Uh, we have to be able to see what's going on in here and people need to be able to see you. So in a certain sense, most of them are leaving the door open and so people feel free to walk in anyways and ask questions. But Yeah, a bit of a trade-off though. You're kind yeah. of putting your yeah. most, uh, I don't know, not, the word is popular, but it's not the word I'm thinking about. The, uh, like you said the alphas, the people who are yeah. probably yeah. your best ambassadors for definitely, Yeah, they're definitely people that are enthusiastic about that game that they're playing and yeah. driving. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Gary, you had a particular uh, difficulty with your renovation because of your food, your uh, your kitchen being involved at the same time. Whereas John, you you're building your kitchen, right? You don't have to deal with that. So, what yeah. was it like uh, expanding a store and having a working kitchen and a working business at the same time? Well, because we were expanding right next door, we could do a lot of the interior demolition um, before we breached the wall between the two sides. Um, so that was good. It kept the noise down. It kept the dust down. And uh, one of the things you have to remember when you're expanding or building a new place is dust is incredible. The, the amount of dust. You can cover everything with plastic. You can clean up every day. It won't make a difference. There'll be a ton of dust. Um, so we did a lot of the demolition, but when we actually had to punch holes in the wall to make pass-throughs, um, the ones that we were doing were right next to the kitchen. So that was, uh, that was a challenge. Uh, we wanted to stay open, um, so we ended up wrapping a lot of stuff in plastic, and our demolition guys were, were, were super great. Uh, I had one guy with a sawzall cutting through the plaster and another guy with a shop vac right below him <laughs> catching the dust. So they were, they were very aware of, of what we would need it done. It was great. That'll be a point for us because once uh, there's not a lot of demolition work, um, but from the kitchen to the count area, there's going to be some knockdowns in the walls to make the CO2 lines and the, the water lines to come through. The biggest challenge is going to be the floor for us. So we'll see. Floor. Yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. Second story makes it easier, but we still need to retile that area because it's, it's got to be porcelain, et cetera, et cetera. Health department wants a specific floor, and, and even retail kind of demands a specific kind of floor. And floor is always way exp more expensive and way more trouble than you think it's going to be. I wanted to do all tile, um, not on that much square footage. It was a oof. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Not worth the cost. Yeah, you, think, uh, you think, you know, three, four bucks a square foot sounds cheap until you start doing the math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Multiply by a thousand, multiply by a couple of thousand, and all of a sudden you're like, ow. <laughs> ow. And that's just the material. Well, I mean, it was yeah. more troubling for us because we, the space went through a sellout that we, we changed landlords in the middle of the renovations. And the old landlord was very cooperative, maybe because he was trying to sell the building. I don't know. Um, the new landlord, no, doesn't want to shell out him on the dime. He's just, nah, nah, good enough. I'm like, okay. So half carpet it is. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just have to, I don't know, accept what the uh, the landlord is kind of putting down. So how how difficult was it uh, negotiating with these people? With what you wanted to do? Were they, you know, clients? Were you mean the contractors or their landlords? The landlord, like the owners of the space, right? Because you can't do whatever you want to a building. You have to kind of work through what the owner is okay with too, right? Yeah. In general, if you're putting money into it, they mm -hmm. don't complain um, in general. Um, obviously, you can't rebuild the building for them and make it into something they don't want. But So not difficult. Um, what's difficult is to establish uh, – ownership in the sense of who's taking on the burden of the, the, the financing of this, right? Yeah. I mean, you do a lot of negotiating with that, but um, I mean, doing this for me, 22 years and everything, the one thing, I forgot who told me this, but at GTS, one of the retailers that does um, a lot of presentations on negotiating leases, it's like everything is negotiable. So hopefully you have somebody that's reasonable. If they're not, there's a good chance you won't walk into that space. You wouldn't sign that lease, right? Um, so understand that it's, it's got to be a balance. If they give you money to do stuff, they're going to tack on more rent. I mean, they want to get that money back, right? Um, so mm -hmm. approaching from a standpoint, it's a partnership. They need to make money. You need to make money. And you need to make sure you don't overcommit to the point where you, you paid off more than you can chew. And always, always, I say not double it, but add an extra 50% to the cost because that's sure enough what happens just about every time. So, for you, Gary? Um, I say it's about the same. Um, the, the more money I put in, the more hands off the landlord is. Um, so we financed everything ourselves. He gave us a little, you know, a free rent for a month or two. Um, but we paid for everything ourselves. And as a result, the landlord doesn't really care what we do. He knows it's going to end up looking nice and that his building's going to end up looking nice. So he's been pretty hands off, which is what we want. We want low rent and we'll take care of the stuff ourselves. And there's a lot to be said about, like, Gary, um, it, one of the reasons why we wanted to stay in the place is landlord loved us. I mean, we were there seven right. years. You never missed a payment. We we're always on time. If there was an issue, we told them about it. You know, you took care of it. Or, hey, somebody tagged back the building, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you want to fix that. But uh, so with a new landlord, it's a little bit more different. They don't know you. Um, but at the very least, if, with our, in our case, they usually listen a little bit more. Yeah, we've been in business more than 20 years, right? Or, we'll take care of this. Don't worry about it. We're not, like some fly-by-night kind of operations. So. Well, guys, I, I, I apologize, but uh, my store just opened. So uh, I've got customers coming in, and I, uh, I need to wrap this up. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. You got to do what you got to do. Business. Business. I got to go sell games. Okay. Take care, guys. It was real nice talking to you. I'll, uh, I'll send you some pictures of the before and after of the expansion. Looking forward to it. All right. Take care. Have a great day. Click. I didn't know we were running on a short time frame, but if you want to do it, okay. I don't, I'm not sure how many more questions you had and stuff like that. To me, it feels like there's more to talk about if you guys want to talk about them. So we could do like a two-parter. That's fine. Uh, hmm. 
Yeah. You know, so we could just keep going now. Like I've got, oh, okay. if you, I'm sure you've got more to say. So yeah, yeah. Right. I don't have a problem. If you want to do a two person thing, we can keep on doing. And if Gary wants to chime in when he's got time, you can ask him the same question, you know, whatever, or Wayne. Well, I know, yeah, Wayne moved too. I mean, he had moved at least once. He has uh, moved. Yeah. But it's not as recently as you guys, obviously. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, um, because um, I remember he took over the pizza place. He was talking to us. He had to come over the pizza place. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, I think we can keep going. I think, the, I think there's a lot, a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm trying to remember the question that I was thinking about when we were doing this, and then like got sidetracked by the whole thing. What were we discussing? Uh, we were talking about negotiating with landlords about yes, you know, landlords or not. Ugh. Jared, like All right. I had it. Is there anything you wanted to say? Well, like you were talking well, about the landlord. Yeah, on that landlord subject, uh, it's pretty much covered. It, it's, it really depends on the landlord. And, you know, um, obviously for me, if I find somebody that's very, very difficult to work with, I'm not even going to sign the lease. You know, I'm just going to walk in. No matter how good the space is, mm. the rent, I, that, that's a huge. I mean, we're, gonna, we're locked in for another five years with this person. We, because we're putting in the cafe, probably want to renew the lease, um, you know, once that five years is up. Yeah. Uh, but it, realistically speaking, you know, I wouldn't do it no matter how good the offer is. If I know that this guy is just going to be, I'm seeing it, right? I'm trying to, nope, 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 nope. Okay, fine. Then nope to signing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a very big part. You have to be able to, uh, to work with the person. You have to be able to trust them. As and well. even then, like what happened to us, right? I mean, we just completely changed. And uh, the problem is the old landlord um, had basically said, okay, this, this. And then there were some delays on his part. So we couldn't start demolishing the building. And we moved in late, way late. Problem mm -hmm. is the lease said commencement date, which was probably the biggest mistake I ever made and never going to do it again. They had a firm commencement date for the lease. Now, the old landlord is like, yes, this is my fault. We'll push back the start of that lease. No problem. Don't worry about it. Then he sold the building and the new landlord said, oh, I need the money. You said you were going to start on this day. So we paid about, yeah, we paid five, four or five months of rent on two spaces because the new landlord wanted the money and you signed the lease. So, yeah. Ouch. And that's outside my control, right? So yeah. I haven't talked to the old landlord yet. There's a good possibility that the guy will just give me that money back because it's kind of his fault, but there's a possibility you have to go talk to a lawyer. You know, I don't want to get belligerent or difficult yeah. things, but realistically speaking, it is a considerable amount of money that I would like to get back in my pocket. So Absolutely. these are the things that when I say factor in an extra 50%, these are out of your control. You, I hadn't, I was in the middle of tearing down walls and they're like, Oh, Hey, you got a new landlord. Go talk to this guy. Bye. You know, <laughs> some of the things that could possibly go wrong. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and that, that actually reminds me. The thing that I was thinking about when we were going through the uh, the brainstorming, trying to remember the question, was uh, financing. Yep. So like you uh, decided to, like, I'm just gonna got the money. Let's do it. Yeah, and for us it was a big yes. Let's do this. I mean, we've been building up um, a cash fund to be able to do this kind of situation. Right? Mm -hmm. So. Uh, we have ballparked a hundred thousand dollars basically for this project. Um, we are uh, about half that right now, close to the eighty actually, uh, because now we still got to worry about the kitchen. And I wasn't going to make that move if I didn't have at least double that in fluidity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that the way to go? I today's age is a little different. Um, people don't seem to have as much of an issue with crowdfunding as I do. 
I feel like in the end, this is my business, um, my reward. Um, and it, it doesn't feel fair or professional to put that burden on somebody else. I'm not saying you're wrong for doing so, you know, um, you could just as easily go out and try to get a, a bank loan, right? And then you owe only money to somebody else, which is yeah, crowdfunding from one. Yeah, it's a traditional way of doing it. Uh, if you're looking at your finances and you think you can afford that that mortgage, um, that, or, sorry, not the mortgage, but that loan payment. Yeah, by all means, that's the way to do it too. Uh, the crowdfunding thing is the thing that I'm kind of like I don't ever want to take money from my customers and fail to deliver on expectations. At least hmm. this way. It's me, right? If I screw up, I screwed up. It's my money. I lost it. End of story. Um, so far, it's looking like I did a good gamble, right? I mean, people are excited. The sales are already starting to pick up in the stores. Complete mess. Uh, but realistically speaking, um, not everybody's in that position, right? I mean, we've, we've had a business for a while, and we knew this was coming. So we've been stash this, stash this, stash this. And um, so, yeah, uh, it was a big deciding factor for us to pull this trigger. Do we have the money? to be able to take this on because it is a, it, it was a huge project, right? And we haven't even started on the kitchen and that stuff, the equipment is just crazy, right? I mean, $6,000 yeah, for a pizza oven, right? I mean, that's, that's all it is, is a souped up convection oven, but it's six grand, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, kitchen's no small feat. Nope. Especially when you haven't had one before, you're not just upgrading, you're, you're right. building something from scratch, yeah. And you can, you can by all means get used equipment and stuff like that. Can it break down tomorrow? Yes, potentially. It can last you for 10 years, right? So, uh, but that's something that's like, well, I need an oven now and I keep searching for a used oven. Uh, you might not have a choice. You're like, look, if you want to bring in pizza and hot dogs right now, that's what you need you now. Otherwise, you wait till you find a deal. Good luck. It can happen. It cannot. So. Yeah. And waiting has its own cost as well. And right. you know, like Gary was saying, right? I mean, both of us realized we were throwing money out the window, right? I mean, it was just one of those what are you going to do? I mean, the contractor came in yesterday to drop off the final paperwork saying we're all clear, get your tenant improvement allowance from the landlord um, until we start in the kitchen. But uh, it's funny because he did a quick scan around. He's like, you had this much stuff in your old space? I'm like, yes, poorly. It was everywhere. Yeah. Right? It, we were tripping over it. So, um, you know, now you see it all because it's better laid out. But yeah, fundamentally, um, it was one of those like you wait, sometimes you lose money. Yeah. And at some point you have to pull the trigger, but that was one of the things that I wanted to, to ask about mm -hmm. because I know that, uh, you know, other stores have gone the crowdfunding route where they say, you know, like they want to expand, but maybe they don't have the war chest that you did, right? They haven't been saving for, you know, a considerable amount of years, but they still see the need. Right. right? They, they haven't set anything aside, but they know that there are, they are losing money just like you guys were. Mm -hmm. So the whole crowdfunding thing, it seems to kind of, be popping up more more recently yeah. i guess it's just become more acceptable but uh i can see why you wouldn't necessarily want to go that route yeah and i don't want to begrudge anybody that does it by all means it, it is definitely more socially acceptable financially whatever you want to call it um i guess i'm a little more old-fashioned um and, and to me again it's my business endeavor and i'm gonna risk it and no it's not my customer's responsibility to finance yeah. um you know, I, the, the only other thing I would say about crowdfunding potentially, especially with new stores, would be that there's a pitfall of um, you're removing a barrier to entry that potentially will cause you to fail because there's a reason why that bank won't release you that money versus, again, I don't want to disparage people that use crowdfunding, but they're not uh, 
people that necessarily lend money for a living. So, yeah. you know, they're just like, oh, I lost $50. Oh, I lost $100, whatever, you know, kind of situation. Where the bank is going to go, uh-uh, dude. We looked at your business plan. There is no way your numbers don't make sense, right? So you're removing that kind of like, and this is why I see some problems with like even publishers becoming Kickstarter publishers and then they fail to deliver, right? You've removed this barrier that it's there. It's a bad thing, but it's also a good thing. It stops you from making a mistake that you go, huh, I asked for $10,000 to open up my cafe and you realize, holy crud, the bank won't give me the money. The crowdfunders did. And all of a sudden you're like, this project costs $50,000. Now what am I yeah. doing? Now what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that leads me to the next point was, uh, if you didn't have the cash yes. like on hand, you had some, you, you know, you just didn't have it. Would you have gone into debt to do this? Would you um, go to the bank and be like, give me a hundred G's? Yes. Because, um, Depending on, I had already gotten approved, and right now we have a line of credit of about $150,000 that we don't plan on using, but it, it was there. We did the research anyways, because like, what if, what if, right? We don't yeah. want to necessarily dip in too much into the cash funds, because cash is great. It's, whenever you need it, it's there. Um, uh, but this, this is a whole, like, establishing more credit for the business and things like that. Um, but fundamentally, I, I would have done it because even having taken on a loan, our numbers in the current location made sense to be able to make that more, that loan payment. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Remember people to go as liberal and go, oh, look, new product line. Sure, let's bring it in. Let's do $5,000. We would have done, let's do 10 pieces instead of, you know, 100 and see where it goes. Uh, but based on that, yes, um, it was more, it would have been much more scary. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. I owe money to somebody. But yeah, losing money point. you already have, you go to zero. Sure. But you don't have, that's much harder. You're already committing. I mean, signing five years on that much space, I can't, out of my pocket, I wouldn't be able to afford that, right? So yeah, if yeah. the business goes under, you're still head over, you know. There's still some assumptions that business is going to continue. Right. But you don't want this loan to be the reason why you go out of business because you didn't calculate, hey, assume zero increase in sales, zero. Pretend like you're in your old space and what you were making is what you're making. Could you afford that? That's my rationale. Yes, I could have. So, okay, fine. We make this step one way or the other. Yeah, like it. Conservative. Right. Right. But that's what you kind of need to be in business. And I think, uh, like to me, when I imagine moving, not necessarily, I think expanding is a little bit uh, less uh, experimental and dangerous, but like literally moving your location Sure. is one of those really scary moments that you can, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. And like, it worked out really well for you guys. And like from the way you've described your uh, customers reactions and like the wows and stuff like that, that's, that's awesome. That's exactly what you want, but it could have also gone like, Oh, no one knew where I went. Like yeah. you could move. Like I've, I've heard of that where a business will move like a block away, like just down the street, few, you know, a few stores down and like a huge number of the customers like, Oh, they moved. I guess they're gone. Yeah. They never come back. Yeah. So that's going to happen. And I've just learned to accept it. It, it just, I have customers that, so we were in the current, the, the old space for seven years and I had customers that up until literally I was still in there, you know, this year would walk up and go, I thought you went out of business because from our last move, they didn't yeah. come back to visit us or they had gone and looked and we weren't there, you know, and we only went a mile up the street with the last move. But I know businesses moved in, in a different suite in the same shopping center to expansion. People are lost. Um, it's, I don't know how to get the message across more than I have to, but obviously the usual, make sure your Google listing is updated, your Yelp, all the things that you, you have. We have this huge list that we're check marking one piece at a time. And still we have like an order will come in as like, 
UPS guys, you make friends with them, you go, hey, I'm across the street, right? We still get packages that are addressed to the old store, even though we put in a change of address with that company, right? Or we realize, oops, we forgot one, you know? So um, yeah. it is scary, but I think staying in place for us would have been a greater loss of business than moving, we're potentially losing a couple of customers along the way, hopefully reacquiring them. But yes, it, it does happen. You're gonna have to accept that you will have people that are like, I thought you closed up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's all part of the equation. Like you said, I think it's, if you stay, it's more pricey, it's more expensive. You're losing more opportunity from staying than you would from moving to the new spot. So I think once that shifts, then that makes the decision a lot easier. Yeah. As long as it's still like 50-50, you know, maybe you should just stay where you are because at least you know you're going to continue you know, doing business where you are. Yeah. Whereas if, uh, yeah, you don't want to move and then, like you, said, like you said, that's the reason why you end up going out of business because like for some reason your half your customer base doesn't come back or something like that. I think, I think that's less, um, so that's less relevant in the sense of like customers are not having information these days because we're a lot more connected. Right. However, our move deciding to move across the street was a lot easier because we listened to customer feedback and they're like, we like where you are. We want you to expand. So not being able to do it in place was at least look, so we need to stay in this general area and across the street is that general area. Had you considered moving across town because I found this great location, I probably would have said no because yeah. I'm really kind of, you know, um, and we're in a fairly saturated market. So I don't want to seem like I moved somewhere specifically because I want to get on somebody's case, right? I'm not interested in that kind of behavior, but it still gets looked at. I still get some people that are like, oh, you just expanded because you wanted to, you know, spike this person. I'm like, no, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care, but that's not how I, I look at my business. And go, how do I make my business better? Not like, oh, so and so this. I should keep me up with the Joneses. Is not a good way to do business. So. Absolutely. <sighs> um, yeah. And I want to put in one thing. So we've okay, move, expanded. So that's one one. I believe we moved the store total six times over 22 years and we've expanded a couple of times. When you work with your landlord, um, mm -hmm. you may be able to renegotiate. You're never going to be able to renegotiate. Renegotiate? Thank you. Renegotiate a lease if you're abandoning a space, right? Then it's mm -hmm. not going to happen. The landlord wants that money. You're committed for X amount of years. But if you look at your space and you're sitting here going, man, I really got too much, too little space or whatever. And I, I really wish. And if you talk to your landlord, especially, especially if um, Archimedes, yeah, you have space available next door to you or something like that. They're usually more than happy to give, get more money from you. Right. So you can, while your lease said, Hey, five years this way, you might be able to add on the suite next door without having to break that lease, just extend it. You might have to renew it or the landlord may own multiple properties and he'd be more than happy to put you in a bigger space somewhere else. So don't, don't feel like you're trapped in a, in a lease unless you look at all your options, right? Because we had considered it. We could have expanded sooner in the same space, but again, it wasn't going to work out because it was just too small. So. Yeah, no, that's a good lens to look at the situation through with your lease. Think of the landlord, not necessarily the location. Maybe they've got something else that they're willing to work with you with if and that's what you case, really want. Yeah, the current landlord, actually, he owns uh, several properties. So, you know, we discussed the ability of other properties, but they were too far away from where we were. It makes yeah. sense what he owns. You know, he doesn't want one on top of the other. So, Yeah, but, you know, some circumstances, maybe that's applicable for some people. Yeah. So, 
No, I think that's pretty good. You have any closing thoughts on uh, some advice for somebody who's, uh, you know, maybe they've got like plans in the future? That, uh, no, it's, uh, so it's nerve-wracking, guys. I spent many a sleepless night, and I still do, right? I mean, as of literally yesterday, I did this post on Facebook saying, I'm up, I'm down here, then I'm up here, you know, with emotions. It's, it's, yeah, it's a roller but, coaster. But it, but it is, uh, it's business. I mean, and it's not for the faint of heart. You, you, you kind of, you know, you, you take it, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Hopefully you don't lose to the point where that's your final loss with this particular endeavor. Um, but... Yes, it is part of the natural course of things. You will evolve, you will expand, um, and it's difficult. Um, but realizing that you're not, that you're losing money by staying where you are or the size you are, or whatever or not, it is it's just as important as as taking on that risk, right? I mean, a lot of people, I think, um, you said, you know, if you're not growing, you're shrinking. I think you can also stagnate, which is a problem on itself, right? Because yeah. everybody else, especially right now, the way our industry is dynamic as it is, everybody else is moving forward and you're staying on the same level. There is a problem with that, right? Absolutely. Yep. And always, always over budget. <laughs> always over budget. Don't cut it down to the wire. Yeah, you're going to regret it later, I think so. Yeah, I think that's a great place to close. Always add more to whatever you're thinking of. You'll at least sleep a little bit better at night. Yeah, give yourself a margin of error. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate talking about this. You know, I think your uh, new location sounds really cool and I, I'm looking forward to visiting at some point, hopefully sometime this summer in time for game. That'd be really cool. Are you coming? Do you know if you're coming down to GTS this year? Did you figure that out? I'm trying to work that into the plan. Okay. Kind of budget that into the, uh, the future. It's a little tricky with, uh, you know, what will be a two year old and, family, no, I understand. all that other good stuff. So yeah. Cause then the year after that it moves to Reno. So, you know, I mean, yeah. then you won't be able to visit the store while you're coming to GTS. We'll be able to hang out, but you know, we'll both be in a, in a guest city basically. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. We will have hopefully everyone back on in uh, the next week or two. Okay. Sounds good. And we'll talk talking. to you guys later. Bye guys. This episode of the Manverse Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, the listeners of the Manverse Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for it and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So if you want to download your free audiobook today, all you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash book. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash book, and you can download your free audiobook today. Well, that's it for this episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I've been your host, Tom Traplin. I want to thank John and Gary for coming on the show and sharing their stories with us. And we will talk to you guys next time.